Now from a land far, far away, Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center. I apologize, Yael, for interrupting your work here this morning and getting the smoker all cleaned and pristine ahead of a big weekend. So celebrating our nation's independence in Vienna, Austria. How does that all work out for you, Yael? I would say the thing that really um, makes me uh, the most popular guy is whipping out the smoker around the July 4th. All my friends are calling me, uh, all the neighbors peeking in. Uh, great American Southern tradition. So people love peeking in and seeing what I'm smoking. And with that being said, you know, as someone who was born north of the border, became a U.S. citizen with your family stationed just outside of Charlotte, very involved, of course, in the NASCAR industry and business. Uh, and as a student of history, someone, of course, who currently resides in Europe full time, uh, given that we have highlighted multiple occasions this week, uh, the infatuation some of our news networks have with communist China uh based on what they you know, published earlier this week. I mean, you don't have to take it from me. Just look for yourself. Uh, when you look at our nation's Independence Day and uh, you know how unique uh, what the founders uh, crafted as far as some of our founding documents and as someone who kind of has experienced it all like yourself, uh, give us your thoughts on uh, you know, the nation's independence and how, in fact, it, it remains a very unique uh, way of life uh, in the world that we live in with billions and billions of people. Yeah, I, I guess just to give two quick examples, and Joe, it's been a great Freedom Friday, a great program, so great listening all day. If you look at, let's say, the examples of Austria, this was a place that was a long time a hereditary kingdom uh, that you had an emperor, you had an empress, their children would rule the people, uh, the people's rights would actually never really improve, there were tiny improvements over time, and that's just how things were. And it really didn't even change until uh, the end of the First World War, when all of that was demolished. And then let's look at Canada, north of the border. Uh, so they decided not to go to war with England and actually were granted their own sort of dominion, they call it, from the United Kingdom, and it was a kind of a gentleman's agreement. And in the United States, it was very different. It was idealist and people who had actually taken all the revolutionary ideas that came from the United Kingdom originally. You know, Thomas Paine was a pamphleteer from the United Kingdom and wrote the book Common Sense about why people should have autonomy and independence, particularly in these uh, regions away from the main island of the United Kingdom. And some very talented, bright, smart people got together and, and actually dreamed up what would be our great American project. And I think it's so unique in history to know that you have a people who, you know, using not uh, the force of, you know, international communism, not using, you know, international force, actually thinking about how can we intellectually put together a country and a republic? How can we learn from the ancient Greek dem democratic states? How can we learn from Rome? How can we craft this new country that will be a representative democracy that will not practice monarchy? And I think that's what they were able to do. And I know it's fashionable today to say, it was all in vain and, you know, draft with errors. And there's so many things that we need to be ashamed of. Uh, there really isn't, because no matter the problems that happened then, these problems were universal. There was slavery in all of the countries of the world. 
This was not a unique American problem. It was a problem of history. And to see that the United States has provided for great foundational documents that continue to shape uh, many political projects across the globe should make us very proud. It's definitely something that I think about. You know, I might be here living temporarily under a different flag, but you know, being the American mindset and having that mindset, it just goes against so many other cleavages of history, so many other flags. And the fact that we are a place where individuals matter, it's not a group that matters, it's individuals. I think that is something that sets the American project apart from everything else. And definitely looking at the Bill of Rights and the amendments, freedom of speech does not exist in the same capacity in many other countries of the world. And that, that's really one great reason to celebrate July 4th, independence, and really the, the, continuing, uh, the continuing on, you know, over 200 years of this great project uh, that still continues to give us tons of success today. The states and its people, of course, uh, granting uh, the responsibility of the federal government to, to oversee you know, uh, our way of life. Uh, it has transformed into uh, you know, a very centralized state, as I caught your piece yesterday, you know, analyzing uh, America, what, as you said, founded Canada, for instance, and how even with its faults and uh, the situation going on north of the border, how a decentralized sort of approach up in Canada should be one that we continue to try and strive for here, yet the, the political forces at hand, particularly in Washington, D.C., you know, want to take us away from this idea of decentralization. Uh, in your mind, why is that? I have a few ideas why, but uh, through your, your thoughts, you know, why is there forces in our country that are pushing us towards more centralization, more group thought, rather than this idea of individualism, sort of personal responsibility, and the ability for states to decide what's best for itself uh, so we can take good ideas and uh, exercise them in other places where it's worked and throw the bad ideas in the garbage. Yeah, I think the notion of decentralization is something that is very keen to the American project. It's why we have these states. I think if, if uh, we look at a you know, modern example, uh, there is something with the National Guards. You can see that South Dakota is sending their National Guard down to the border, and there's a lot of discussions about them privately funding it and all. And, it, you know, this difference between the states was something that was very, very important to the American founding. Uh, we had different rules in different states for a reason. And over time, that has all been kind of usurped by this central federal government. A lot of it has to do with just power and might and money. Uh, I would say money is probably the most important thing. I think any of you listening have heard, you know, your local politicians talk about this amazing federal grant that was just passed. I mean, these federal grants are really what has changed the power balance between states and the federal government. And I think it's gone awry from that. Uh, but where I do see hope is through the judicial system, through our courts. We can see that there is a return to what we would call states' rights. And we see that not just coming from the right, but actually from the left as well. If you imagine the states that have legalized cannabis— uh, states that take a different approach, you know, on various issues, taxation and the like, and then look at guns, for instance, and what Texas is doing. There is still a vibrant movement, I believe, for federalism, for states coming up with their own rights and where they don't see the federal government having a role. I would love to see that, you know, be accelerated and exacerbated. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think there's a lot of centralist tendencies, and a lot of it has to do with just being effective, 
and people have a different idea of what government should be. Is government there to be the most effective arbiter and administrator of anything that we want it to do? Or is it there simply to respect and protect our rights? And I think those are the two differing worldviews that really shape a lot of this. And I think for most people, those who would like to have less government, those would like to have less say on what they're allowed to do in their private lives, I think they definitely see the government as something that is there to respect their rights and to protect their rights when needed. And on the other hand, it's more about it being effective, it being a positive force in our life, providing us with something, granting us something. But as we know, there is nothing that the government gives you that they haven't taken from someone else. Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center. Consumer Choice Radio airs on Saturdays at 10 o'clock here on the Big Talker FM, 10 a.m. ConsumerChoiceCenter.org, their website, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice. Yael, two of the big ideas that are being pushed, particularly by progressives in the country, are the ideas that we need to radically change for two reasons. Well, one, that we need to work to save planet Earth, of course, from its impending doom due to climate change. And the other is this idea, of course, that we need to look at our nation's history, feel guilty about it, and work to produce equal outcomes for particularly those who feel that they have been oppressed uh, due to the pigment of their skin color uh, over the course of uh, you know their lifetime. Uh, these are the two you know, narratives that, that are being pushed most loudly uh, in our nation right now. You know, why uh, do we feel that uh, the emotion anger uh, that is behind many of these conversations is one that doesn't necessarily best fit uh, the nation uh, you know, as a whole moving forward in a positive way? I think, yeah, I think it's a good question because I, I think if we only look to history and you know we go back and look and just see monsters and just see all the terrible things uh, that's only keeping one eye to it it's judging history by today's standards instead of actually celebrating the things that are uniquely american and that have been done better than anywhere else the fact that you know, we've had slavery in the united states true but we've also had the civil rights movement we've also had this increasing amount of minority entrepreneurship that really you don't have in many other parts of the world. And all of the wins that we've had collectively as a country are wins. You know, sometimes it's not always going to be the federal government that passes X and Y law. Most of the time, it's civil society groups. It's people who are standing up for their rights on their own. Uh, they might be viewed as wrong in the current time. In modernity, it's a, it's a dangerous time to be a truth teller. Uh, but overall, people can be vindicated. And I think the system that we have really gives people that kind of benefit of the doubt and does allow them uh, to have a better arch on history and progress. You know, if we really want progress, that's something that we have to embrace. We know that all things are flawed. I don't think many people, as far as I know, Joe, would want to go back to the 1700s. I know I wouldn't. <laughs> I know I wouldn't go want to go back to the 1800s. I think today we are the richest and the freest that we have ever been. There's no reason to want to go back there. We know if we were to do it all over again, what we'd do, but that's not the state that we're in. We're existing today. We're able to provide value today. I think that's the most important thing. And looking at continued innovation and celebrating our wins. You know, we've talked about how uh, different media, uh, let's say projects, whether it be television or movies or books, always paint, you know, the entrepreneurs, the business people as the terrible bad people, the bad guys. When in reality, the people who are 
owning small businesses and running them are providing value. They're providing goods and services, and they're the ones that are actually helping us achieve all of our broader goals. There has to be a lot of revision there, and uh, hopefully there is better teaching. There's more discussion of that, and I think that would provide a better path forward. I think people right now, particularly I know it, fans of you know this sort of program, feel that you know this idea and some of your viewpoints are not being taught or you know dominating at least parts of the conversation in our places of learning. For instance, you know we talk in our elementary, middle schools that to me the priority should be on the fundamentals and the foundations of reading, writing, learning to think through things critically. Our focus instead is on other priorities, uh, obviously, uh, by what we see nationally in the debate that uh, is being had uh, through implementing certain theories and curricula in our local uh, secondary schools, and uh, that even these ideas that you're espousing here this morning are not very commonplace in our places of higher learning, and I think that's uh, a, a very big concern for a lot of Americans out there these days. Yeah, there's a lot of groupthink that happens, uh, particularly at universities and uh, Ivy League and uh, those who are in the ivory tower. That happens a lot. And there's definitely a lot of power that is there. There's a lot of power in culture, which generally is held in more progressive and leftist terms. But, you know, you need to be able to swim through those waters to be able to conquer them. And I think that the ideas of limited government, of not having too much of an intervention in our private lives— of entrepreneurship. Those are powerful messages that really transcend anything that you can be taught in universities. So I I would hope that people are able to debate those ideas more, get them out there, because no matter what people are learning or what theories they're being taught, what's put in practice is actually the better part. And that is entrepreneurship. That's community. That's people getting together. You know, this is the theories that might be discussed today. It's fairly easy to predict that many times they're going to be obsolete tomorrow. So I don't worry as much about that. I think there's definitely a lot of bad education, and that's why school choice and things are very important, but also people learning on their own. Um, At least for my bringing up, there's a lot of great things I learned in school, but the number one thing I learned is just to be skeptical and to learn on my own and to remember that I'm an individual and a lot of the learning that I've done, whether it be in economics or anything I've done in politics, lobbying, media, everything I've learned has been on my own. And I think if people are empowered, uh, they don't have to think that everything they're going to learn will come from a, an institution or from four years of learning. Rather, it comes through life. It comes through interaction from different people you meet, from different things you're able to test out. That's really where we're going to find all of that value and all of that knowledge. I would hope we continue with that. Uh, But again, I know there are a lot of people who are more in elite circles or on the coasts who see it differently. Uh, But that's why we have the entire nation of hardworking middle class people, I think, that that stands against that. Yael Osowski with the Consumer Choice Center. You can hear Yael and his co-host David Clement tomorrow at 10 o'clock for their latest edition of the Consumer Choice Radio Show, a part of a great local block of programming that we have assembled for you over the months. That begins at 8 a.m., of course, with uh, Wake Up Our Faith, uh, the folks over at Uprint, uh, Ben Hawkins uh, with the Lend With Ben Show, and then Consumer Choice Radio, 10 a.m. here on the Big Talker FM. Yael, thanks so much for the insight. Uh, great perspective this morning. I think much needed uh, moving into the celebration of our nation's birth. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Joe, and happy Independence Day to everybody. All right, we're 10 minutes in front of the hour. Great to have Yael Lasowski with that insight this morning for us. Uh, so eloquently put, uh, by our good friends with the Consumer Choice Center.